Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. We just wrapped up the Players Championship. Rex, not going to lie, that was not the most sun- exciting Sunday at TPC Sawgrass. Scotty Scheffler, as I predicted on Thursday, uh, I will note, cruised to a five-shot victory. This thing was tense for about an hour, and then Min Woo Lee made a triple bogey on the fourth hole, and Scotty Scheffler uh, got no closer than two shots to his competitors. In fact, he ripped off five consecutive birdies around the turn uh, to basically turn what is the most stressful tournament in golf into an absolute snooze fest. Your thoughts on Scotty, the final round, and the Players' Championship as a whole. I mean, to be fair, he made it into a snooze fest only because of his brilliant play. If you look at the way it started, yeah, I mean, you look at the way it started, yes, by the third hole, he was tied with Minwoo. And I think all of a sudden, all of us were paying attention. I think you were sweating more than anyone else in the media center because I think the last thing you particularly wanted to do was to write about Minwoo Lee, if we're being honest. But what he he ended up doing and and just kind of pacing himself and pulling away from the field, I mean, it's, it's Scotty at his best. And I think the amazing thing here is, when you watch him on the golf course, and, and I think you and I had this conversation earlier this week about the idea that it's easy to get lulled into the idea that he's, I don't want to say a boring player, but he, he doesn't do anything flashy, but he does everything so well. If you look at what he does statistically, I mean, he doesn't have any holes in his game. Like you and I both talked to his caddy, Ted Scott, after the round today, and like point to what he does bad, point to where he needs to improve. Like there aren't any areas. And so I, I don't, I guess the comp here, and you and I kind of wrote vastly different columns, but the comp here would be Jordan Speed because they're both from Texas and they both have this wonderful short game. But it's not like he goes out and does Jordan Speed things because he widely doesn't put himself into bad positions. He usually just kind of keeps himself in play, gives himself some birdie opportunities, and ends up winning by five. Yeah, this is my favorite thing to do on Sunday night after a big tournament. Peeking behind the curtain, what did you write? And why? Let's start with you. Uh, I knew you were going to do more of the definitive piece. You've been in you know, the Scotty camp for a long time. You've been around him since he was at the University of Texas, probably even before that. So I, I was trying to find a different angle before that. Before that. I actually covered Scotty Shepard at the uh, AJGA at the junior. junior at the junior players at that golf course. In fact, uh, his, his father, Scott, uh, told a funny story tonight that they used to pack into hotel rooms like the six of them, Scotty has three sisters. I brought the dog, Scott. Uh, sometimes the mom would come if she was not working. So they were packed six with the dog. And the junior players was actually the rare tournament when Scotty was 16 that they split up in two hotel rooms. They didn't just cram into one room. And Scotty goes, oh, are we rich all of a sudden? He says, no, you got the dog. You can stay with the dog. And we will go on that way. And so it's just obviously Scotty had basically almost his entire family besides his two sisters uh, there. He had his grandma, his 88 year old grandma. He had his, he had his aunt, uh, he had his cousins. One of his sisters, Molly's was there. Um, so it's certainly a family affair, but you could just see like how close he is with his family. I think that's when you actually can draw some emotion out of Scott, out of Scott Shepley. He's pretty, he's pretty laconic. Otherwise I kind of wrote some similarities to Dustin Johnson in that sense, but it was nice to see him show a little bit of uh, uh, humanity in, in those respects. 
And I guess the one thing you would point to is you're right. Like there, there's nothing that leads you to believe that other than what he told us last year at the masters, where that was such a revelation. You and I both, I think perked up so much on Sunday when he, after he wins the masters, he talked about essentially being in the fetal position that morning. Like just his wife has to get him off the floor because he's just ravaged by, you know, anxiety and worrying about how I'm going to get this done. And it's it's funny now because you watch him on the golf course, and even when things got close, I mean, he was tied for the lead, like we said, after three holes. There was no – he never looks like he's panicked. He never looks like things are going too fast for him, I guess, would be the way I would say it because that's what athletes always talk about, right, that when things aren't going well, everything seems to move too fast, whereas when you're kind of in that zone, everything moves slow. It seems like everything moves slow for him all the time, and and I know – he doesn't win all the time. I mean, he's on another one of those runs, but I, I kind of went in a different direction. Again, I knew you were doing the big picture, Scotty, what kind of person he is. I, I kind of went to the idea that he chipped in today on the eighth hole. And I think you and I both were sitting watching it in the media center. And we both kind of commented as soon as we saw where the ball landed that, oh, that's not going to be an easy chip. His ball is well Awkward. above his feet. Awkward, awkward is the word I think I described I think it. Yeah, we shouted at each other. Awkward. His feet are in the <laughs> bunker. He has to play the way this is. And the day before, he had had a very similar awkward, if not impossible, chip shot on, on the second hole that he ended up chipping in for eagle. And I just started thinking about this idea that he sort of has this flair that it's easy to dismiss because he's so vanilla, because he never says anything, because it's not he doesn't want to make headlines. Because he's not out there making jokes, like all of the things that we would want him to do. He doesn't. He's just a really, really nice guy. Like, if you wanted to hang out with someone on the PGA Tour, hang out with Scotty Scheffler. Because I I bet he would just be so much fun to get a cup of coffee with when he drinks coffee, which isn't at PGA Tour. Apparently apparently not at tournaments. Turns out. Like, even that was kind of crazy. Uh, But it was funny talking to Jordan Spieth about this. It was funny talking to other players, Ricky Fowler, talking with Randy Smith his swing coach about the idea of why he loves this so much. And you can just imagine, and you and I both talked to Randy Smith on Saturday night. And I think we talked about this in the podcast, but like going back to his junior days when he's nine years old and he's on the range at Royal Oaks and he's chipping and he's nine and he's chipping against pros and he's trying to beat them. It's still the same kid. And I just love that story about, Oh, this is all about creativity. And and I, I thought that Jordan gave a great story that, in this situation, and we've seen it through Jordan Spieth over a decade now, where you've kind of established yourself. You've won the Masters. You've won a couple times on the PGA Tour. The way Jordan said it, you're playing with house money. So every time you get in this position, now you have an awkward shot, and maybe some guys are probably just trying to steer it and just make sure you give yourself a putt. He was trying to make that shot on two yesterday. He was trying to make that shot on eight today. I I think it's fascinating. It is, and it's actually really interesting to me, Rex, because – I think Scotty gets criticized, and he certainly talked about on social media that he's he's kind of bland, um, he's he's unimaginative, he's just he's just such a vanilla personality. Adam Scott today described him as an under the radar personality, and yet if you actually watch him play golf, I find him to to be one of the most entertaining golfers to watch. Like it does not like his 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 personality belies this this aggressive nature um and it's it's almost like this this thrill ride like his feet are moving everywhere with his driver and yet he absolutely pummels it he's a absolute sharpshooter and assassin with his irons and then as as you wrote 
uh, for a column on GolfChannel.com. Like, he's just an absolute magician with incredible imagination and creativity around the greens. I think Spieth is the perfect comp. He's like... He's like a more finessed version of like the junk man. Like nothing that he does is aesthetically pleasing in any respect. Like I don't know that you necessarily teach the form that Scotty Scheffler had, but Adam Scott to me compared Scotty to like a young swashbuckling Greg Norman. He is uh, he's natural in his motion. He's not bogged down with like technical perfection. Like Randy Smith to take Scotty Scheffler, who became this, he was a Texas tot. They became like this gangly teenager into, into not mess with his genius is like one of the greatest coaching moves of all time there. He, he definitely could have put Scotty Scheffler in a box. He could have tried to work on his footwork. He could have tried to get rid of that, like reverse C thing that he's going on. He could have, you know, tried to, to, to teach him as they do now. Uh, to use the bounce or whatever they're doing uh, around the greens. Like he just let his genius flow. Uh, and that's a credit to to Randy Smith, trusting, trusting his teaching and being able to identify a rare genius, which Scotty Scheffler now is the world number one uh, is certainly in that air. And I think Randy would be wildly uncomfortable with that assertion. Like, look, you and oh, I had a sure. great conversation with him last night. Like he would never want to take any kind of credit whatsoever with this. But it does go back to the idea that he was nine years old and Scott Scheffler brought his kid to Randy Smith specifically to he wants to be a pro. Like, let's let's find a way to turn him into a pro. And Randy's version was, as you pointed out, was, OK, whatever physical gifts he has, I'm just going to go with that. You're right. There's not a lot of swing coaches that would have done that. They would have tried to change certainly his footwork. And it, it's funny how many times, and I think I remember this story from a few years ago, and this is even before uh, Scotty had won the Masters, where Nick Faldo walks up to them on the range, and it was probably at the Open Championship, and said something to Randy along the lines of, when are you going to fix his footwork? Well, I've been with him since nine years old. I'm never going to try to fix his footwork. Like, it is what it is. And it, you might look at it and think, well, that that's not going to work out well. And I think he's probably going to have those ebbs and flows. And I think we've certainly, we certainly saw that last year where it was such a sprint to the spring and he was so dominant and he kind of seemed to hit a wall. And that probably has more to do with the idea that he had to learn how to deal with fame than anything else. But I, I don't think you can point to anything. He was first in the field in strokes gain T to green. He didn't have a three putt all week long. He was fourth in strokes gain around the green. Like you name it. Like there's nothing you can point to and say, oh, he needs to fix this. The one thing that stood out to me, and, and I'd l- love to get your thoughts on this, is I hope that every golf fan appreciates where we are in the game right now. Because there was a time in golf, and I remember this so specifically when, and this is not to pick on Luke Donald, I don't want him to catch strays here, but he, he got to world number one because he was sitting on his couch at home in Chicago. And it was just the math. It was just the way it worked out. I think Lee Westwood was a very, very similar situation. We've seen it time and time again with the world ranking. We have seen the world ranking now changing hands because guys are winning. Like, not only are you are you are we having this week in and week out conversation, but they're doing it because they're winning. And it's I, I think we're, we're sort of skipping by the idea that, man, this is a really cool time in golf because they are so good. I mean, there's just clearly a tier now and there's. You know, always a, a tier when it was Tiger and everybody else, and then it was Tiger and Phil and everybody else, and then there was kind of a rotating cast of characters. But like, there is a clear first tier on the PGA Tour, 
And it is John Rahm, it is Sky Scheffler, and it is Roy McIlroy. Then there's everyone else. And look, Xander Schauffele is going to pop up my, my pick for player of the year in 2023. Uh, who's not yet have a win yet. Like Ka- Patrick with. Cantley is. Yeah, of course. Patrick Cantley is going to pop up and do great things. Kamor Kawa's had an opportunity to win a couple of times. Victor Hovland uh, had, a, had a good showing this week at the Players' Championship. The fact of the matter is, like, they just don't have the consistent excellence that these other three have shown. That's the reason why it's changing hands, because it is so close among all three. And then when you put them together in these designated tournaments, this is now the fifth one of the 2023 schedule. Like, Rahm's won, th- won two of them. Sky's won two of them, and Rory could have won one of them. Uh, I, I'm going to say I put the sausage finger up. You, you saw it, so you, you stopped. I'll give you credit. Uh, I, I was going to point this out that uh, are, are you 100% certain that I, I was right with my column on Wednesday? Or are you 100% certain that I was wrong with my column on Wednesday? Because I'm still not it, sure. Didn't read it. Uh, so I'm just – you were, you were kind of paraphrased saying, like, we're going to have a big-name winner – Win this player's championship, and we did. However, that leaderboard was uh, star deprived, uh, to say the least. Now it got a little bit better on Sunday, right? There was, was, I think it was probably tense for what an hour. Like you had Max Homa making a run, you had uh, uh, Terrell Hatton getting in the clubhouse at twelve under par, but like he never had a serious twenty nine on the chance chance to win this golf tournament. Victor Hovland was up there. I mean this 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 player's championship lack something uh there was no there was no controversy there was no rules issue there was no i mean you had a, you had tom hoagie shooting a course record 62 in the third round like normally that would be a big deal and yet he was so far down the leaderboard when we began the day like that was just kind of a footnote to the tournament so it was it was a little bit of a strange one i want to get to the players championship more i did want to touch rex on a little bit more scotty scheffler because the the angle that i took for my column and you mentioned the moment from the Masters in the fetal position. Like, that is one of the most revealing moments in, like, major championship history. Basically, the eventual champion admitting that he was crying like a baby. Those were his words. I was crying like a baby on the eve of the final round. And he went even into, like, further detail of, like, how – in junior and college golf, he was prescribed medication for stomach indigestion. Uh, heading into big tournaments, uh, he would have like stomach aches for more than a week, and he said it was something to get used to. And he was not quite as uh, forthcoming about how he was feeling on Sunday morning, but he still described it as tough. And I kind of dove into the psychology of that, why it was tough, and how he's getting better at handling those tough situations. If you think back to last year, and look, it was an incredible run. I think it was four wins in the span of about seven weeks. Uh, had an opportunity to win at Colonial, was bested by his uh, good friend Sam Burns, had an opportunity to win at the U.S. Open. He was nipped by a shot by Matt Fitzpatrick. But I, I circle that tour championship because 2022 was defined – of course, by Live Golf, the Pizza Tour split. But from a player's perspective, it was Scotty Scheffler. Like, that was his breakout year. He began Super Bowl Sunday without a win on the PGA Tour. Uh, and then he was a major champion uh, with a couple of other big titles to his credit. But on that Sunday, the Tour Championship, Rex, he coughed up a six-shot lead. That tied the largest blown lead ever on the PGA Tour. He said that really hurt. He played only once over the next two months. He said he was drained mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, 
all of the above, I found it very impressive that Scotty Scheffler, in his two opportunities to win golf tournaments in 2023, when staked to the lead, slammed the door with a 65 on Sunday in Phoenix, when he had a host of big-name players up there, including a battle uh, with the unheralded Nick Taylor. And then he did what he did on Sunday, absolutely cruising to the title, really did not appear in danger at all over the last three or four hours on a golf course that is perhaps the scariest on the PJ Tour that is just uh, uh, littered with potential hazards, just looked complete in utter control. So this, to me, long story short, <laughs> this looks like, to me, a player who is learning situationally how to handle this, even if he's never, you know, if, he, if he's always going to have an upset stomach, that's one thing. But now he's, he's kind of grasped the idea of handling it. Well, and it is fascinating because even Rory, who we can both admit is very open with the press and doesn't seem to have any unspoken thoughts, he doesn't reveal that much. I mean, certainly Tiger Woods, over the course of his career, never would have revealed that sort of thing. Scotty Shuffler doesn't reveal anything. That's why it was so extraordinary because he well, has yeah, so tight lips. But, but he does. And, and so I'll, I'll go to tonight's press conference, and you touched on it a little bit, where he immediately went back to Eastlake and talked about how – it's how it was such a difficult time for he and his wife leaving Eastlake. Cause you, you would have thought it's easy for after the season, he had to sort of skip by that and, and sort of dismiss the idea. And maybe I just had a bad Sunday, but for him to kind of come to terms with the idea that, no, this is something that's going to stick with me for, for a while. I'm going to have to eat this. Like, this is not something I can just run past. I, I just think there's an honesty there that we don't get from many other players, which is odd. Cause you're right. Because you think when he gets in front of the media, and you and I, I think, both talked about this last night, that he stepped in front of the mic last uh, two nights ago after Adam Svensson, who says absolutely nothing, and kind of made a <laughs> self-deprecating joke that he's like, man, I thought my press conferences were short. Like, he realizes it. He knows that, okay, I'm not giving them much. But in this, in these few situations, in these one-offs, he does. Like, for him to offer that last year at Augusta, for him to offer that tonight, that, look, after he's like, me and the wife, we had a hard time with this, and we had a hard time wrapping our mind around it. Because you watch the Netflix special, and it doesn't seem to me that – I'll go back to the Ted Scott comment that, you know, when he started Sunday at Augusta, it was, this isn't in your hands. You feel like that that's the way he tackles everything in life, and that's not the case. Uh, that is certainly not the case. And I've, I've come to accept, Rex, that there's a different Scotty Scheffler. And I think this is true of a lot of players – uh, Patrick Cantley certainly comes to mind, but like Scotty Scheffler for the first three rounds is different from the Scotty Scheffler who can be very reflective uh, following a On victory. Sunday. That was obviously the case at Augusta National and the Masters victory, and I think that was the case here. He just kind of lets his guard down. You can see him exhale. You can see him kind of think deeper and want to provide an explanation for what was an extraordinary performance that we saw here at TPC Sawgrass. Like Patrick Cantley is the same way. If you get Patrick Cantley pre-tournament I find him deeply interesting I find him deeply introspective and yet if you try to talk to him Thursday through Saturday if he's in the mix like it is as short as humanly possible those those players and Scotty Scheffler he might not seem like it he seems like a kind of happy-go-lucky guy like he has been described uh, to me by four people this week as like insanely intense and like you just wouldn't get that vibe around Scotty Scheffler but he takes his work very seriously and coming off of a round signing a scorecard like it's it's hard it's hard for him to like power down 
and express uh, kind of his, his humanity in those moments. I didn't know how to ask the question, and I didn't do a very good job because in the celebration, I think it was uh, after after he chipped in on the eighth hole, he he kind of put his arm in the air, and I realized, oh, he has one of the kind of the, the whoop bands that you put on your upper arm. And I I would love just to see the data. Like he didn't give me a good answer, and I didn't ask a good question, so I shouldn't expect it. But like I would love to see how what the heart rate actually is, and the way he explained it is. The heart rate, the stress, I think is what he called it because that's how he measured it. Strain. Strain. Thank you. The strain is actually higher if he's playing well because he knows he, then, then he's in contention. If he's tying for 56, that his, the heart rate, the strain is probably very, very low. But I, I would love to be able to compare it to what he is on a normal Tuesday back home in Dallas, just walking around getting coffee with his wife versus what he was on Sunday because he looks like he's completely flatlined, like nothing in the world is going to bother him, but that can't be the case. I mean, no, it, knowing what I, we know about him, that can't be the case. It's actually interesting because, like, as a junior golfer, as a college golfer, he was kind of known as a hothead. Like, he would he would have these outbursts on the golf course that would send him kind of spiraling. Like, talking to his dad tonight um, at TBC Sawgrass, like, he said the, the, the mental strength that he has showed over the past five years is, like, night and day difference. Like, you would not – the Scotty Scheffler five years ago would be unrecognizable to the major champion of the world number one that you see today and like even I you could sense like the frustration and that was that was building last fall now we have a better understanding of that he was really burned out um and was kind of looking to 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 turn the page to 2023 but like I I still think his strain even when he's not playing well it, it it might actually be higher than when he is playing well because he has such high standards for himself he devotes so much energy time and resources like we've heard him say countless times like i expect to play well because i put in a lot of time and i really care about this like this is this is my job and he treats it like that so it actually be it actually be very interesting why don't you follow up with scotty why don't you ask a better question and when you see him at the match play uh and what'll be a, a de facto home game for him whether you can actually get some data on that i'd, I'd actually find that to be interesting I want the data. I, I want to see exactly how much strain there is because my guess is that, is, is that like a HIPAA a concern? Is that a HIPAA concern if we're asking about that? Uh, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's funny is I, I did that once with my doctor where he asked to see – I think I had a – I didn't have a whoop, but I had an Apple Watch on. And he wanted to kind of sync up and, and, he sing, and he goes, okay, everything's fine. You're sleeping well, whatever the case may be. But then he asked me like, well, why do you seem to spike at like 515 – on Mondays and Wednesday nights. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, do you work out? Nope. It was because I was on TV. Hmm. Which makes it, it makes sense. Cause you and I both go through the exact same thing. So much strain, so much strain. Yeah. If I had a whoop on last week, a 10 30 AM or 11 30 AM hit like, Oh my God, are you dying? Are you, are you having, <laughs> are you having some sort of heart attack? And why did you talk so much? Uh, which I certainly did. Uh, during our hits. Besides Scotty Scheffler, Rex, what stood out to you about this Players' Championship? Could be situationally, could be the tournament-wise, could be the venue, could be the players. What what stood out? Uh, Minwoo. And and look, he doesn't have tour status, and he was playing for tour status. I I don't know if he knew what he needed to do. He needed to finish solo fourth to earn special temporary status. Uh, I think he had an idea of what he needed to do. And I wanted to sit down in this press conference because you and I both agree feeders. So I wanted to like feed on this because that was my column I, I initially wanted to write. I was like, oh, I, I have to write about this collapse. Through three holes, you've caught Scotty Scheffler. You have this opportunity, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to win at the biggest event you've really ever had an opportunity to win in. 
And he, he wasn't very good, to be quite frank with you. I, I think <laughs> – I mean, I just don't think he, – he, a couple things. One, I think the emotions were still very, very raw. But he in the press conference, he was actually happy with the way he finished. He birdied 16 and 17, which is kind of cool. I mean, the way he sort of described it, he could have shot 80. And in, in the way he was heading, it looked like he was going to shoot 80. And he had one bad hole, and, and I did find it fascinating that he talked about this goes to back to Scotty Scheffler, how fast things got for him on uh, the sixth hole where he made a seven. Fourth, and, yeah. Fourth I'm sorry, hole, the fourth which, hole. I mean, that yeah. was just like an, inexcus- an inexcusable error. It, it, it seems smart, yeah. right? Like he, he dumped it out in the fairway, hit 88 yards, and to rip that thing off the front edge with like a semi-chunk – was just it looked like, chunky. Yeah, it looks like, like an unfathomably bad miss. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, you just kind of go down from there. I mean, it's hard to recover from that opportunity. But, yeah, I mean, that's it. Because you look at this golf course, and it's going to take a toll. And I think that's what we we saw all week long. Even when the weather was at its best, which is probably – I'm sitting here trying to think probably Saturday, right, where the winds weren't quite as bad. The golf course was soft after Friday's rains. It's still – was just lurking there. That's the thing that gets me about TPC Sawgrass, that even when it's at its easiest, that players are still afraid of this place. I thought Terrell Hatton had a great comment when he was asked, do you like this golf course? And he sort of laughed. I mean, again, he's, he's better he's than we give him credit. Fella. And he goes, I, I shouldn't say this, but yes, I, I do like it. Like, I know what people are going to think about me saying this. And he goes, look, I hate. Uh, <laughs> Hold he, on. He, he hates- doesn't like Augusta National. He doesn't like Riviera. But he likes TBC Sawgrass, which I think you can count on one hand the number of players who actually like TBC Sawgrass. That was it. That, that was the other column I was thinking about writing. Like, how many people actually like this? How many, how many players actually like showing up? Because I, I would argue Spieth that, doesn't. Uh, Spieth doesn't. No, no, no. I, I would argue that the vast majority of players do I not. Agree. And we can go down the list of, of tour events. Like, you're right. Guys want to go play Riviera. It's a, it's a classic golf course you want to go. Guys want to go play Pebble Beach. Like, we can go through the schedule. And it's either yes or no. And TPC Sawgrass is widely a no. Which is funny. So, like, I don't think I don't think the stadium course is actually, like, a good golf course. But I think it is unquestionably a top tournament on the PGA Tour, if not the best. And I'm talking, like, all-encompassing aspects. I'm talking fan experience. I'm talking about drama. I'm talking about theater. I'm talking about like stuff for us, like, like parking and accessibility. Like it is a fan. <laughs> the players championship is a fantastic tournament on a wildly entertaining, exciting thrill ride of a venue. Is that a great golf course? No, I don't think no. anyone would argue that this is a great golf course. Is it a fun tournament venue? Absolutely. Uh, and I think that was uh, the case for at least three rounds until Sky Scheffler, once again, as I mentioned at the top, turned this very much into a snooze fest. Well, and we can go through the list of, I mean, go back to last year. I mean, you and I are both going to agree that St. Andrews is by far the best place to hold a major championship. Like, it's it's the golf course. It seems to hold up the best over history. It's everything about the fan experience. The Roussac's like, Hotel, it's- great hotel bar. It just everything, the Dunvegan, we can just go through the old gray tune, everything about the history of the place. Like we absolutely Bunkmate. love it. Uh, Bunkmate. Yes. Uh, we can, we can talk about Augusta national. We can look at Pinehurst. Like there's plenty of places you can point to and be like, Oh yes. Like the golf course and everything around it is absolutely perfect. This is the, like that outlier where you're right. You're going to look at the golf course and be like, eh, golf course is fine, but everything else is really, really good. 
Yeah, like it's not even top ten golf course in Florida. Like I think, <laughs> and I think well, it's like eight. I think it's like eight hundred dollars to play TPC. How about Salt Duval like, County? Like, Are you going to give it Duval County? Is it top ten in Duval? No, that'd be like that'd be like Cabo <laughs> Creek or or Timaquana. Like it's not even close. The yards. Yes, I would. Yes, it's actually, it's not even the best golf course on the TBC Sawgrass property. It's the yards. It's a, which is like a, it's a nine hole golf course plus a, a six hole beer loop. Yeah, I would absolutely take the yards over TBC <laughs> Sawgrass, which is why I play my golf there. Uh, Takeaway for me, Rex, if you're talking about strictly, strictly players, um, I thought it was really encouraging to see Victor Hovland. We're not going to get to the whole pelvis sternum discussion that you and I had uh, on Friday's podcast. Uh, but I thought it was very encouraging to signs that we've seen Victor Hovland getting rid of that two-e miss, focusing on the uh, the fade. And, yeah, short game is still very much a work in progress, and the Masters will certainly be an excruciating uh, uh, examination for that. But I just think he is trending in the right direction. Another one for me, though, Rex, curious your take on this. Max Homa, he's up to number six in the world. And I don't think, like, you could even question that he is – the sixth best player in the world, if not, should be a little bit higher. Finished tie for sixth, uh, had a water ball on the 71st hole, the Island Green 17th, where he hit it uh, just over the back. I think he slightly pulled it. Maybe the wind died, whatever the case may be. Like, probably could have had even a higher finish than that. But, like, T6, T14, second, T39, first, third, 17th. Like, dude's playing some really good golf. And a reminder, Max Homa does not yet have a top 10 finish in a major championship, I would be shocked, utterly shocked, if Max Homa does not contend in a major championship this season. Like, the dude is absolutely grooved right now. Uh, I would agree with that. I don't know that Augusta is the absolute perfect fit for him because uh, I, I think there's bits and pieces of his game that I, I'm not quite sure would fit perfectly into that, although he's such a good ball striker. I guess that's not a fair statement. And, and I will say that you're right. Like, when you look at – the weird thing about Max and let's put him with Joel Damon, like we, we view them in a different category that, Oh, these are entertaining players. They're insanely, insanely big fan following with those fellas. Like they really is. I don't know if that's a Netflix effect. I don't know if it's a social media effect, but like they're no, no, I I think we felt this way probably about those. No, because I I feel like we felt this way about both of them before the before the Netflix special. And and again, that probably just solidified it with a lot of the fans. But I will say that you're right. It's easy to look at Max and sort of dismiss him as, oh, he's just he's good on Twitter and he was good on Netflix. No, he's a he's a top 10 player. And you're absolutely right. He he should be in. I would imagine that sooner rather than later, he figures it out because everything else he's figured out as far as major championships go is what I'm talking about he's kind of made that step like early in his career. I mean, here's a guy that didn't make a cut the first time around on the PGA tour He played an entire year. We had like $16,000. Yeah. Like it was like, awful. That's like me working in Sebring for an entire year doing prep sports, but you killed it. Didn't you Killed it and did not have the expenses that a PGA tour player would have. <laughs> so did you make sixteen thousand dollars yeah how much you made your first yeah, so job I, yeah so i probably made like 15 uh my did first you live job in a was, cardboard box my first job was twenty four thousand dollars living in sebring florida which if you know anything about florida it's like a retirement area i loved it to be honest with you covered prep sports um got out just in time before it was like the 24 hours of sebring or something some sort of auto race that i very yeah. much did not want to participate uh, with the full section that they were that they were going to be devoting to that race, I was I was very glad to get out and, and go to golf week. 
I mean, what did you do? You lived in a cardboard box or something? Like, how did you live 24? No, nope. with shared shared an apartment. It was, I think, eight hundred dollar apartments. So that was four hundred bucks. Uh, I worked three consecutive weeks uh, in Sebring so that I could take four days off and f- and fly up to Athens uh, to see my now wife. Thank thank God, thank God, she's now my wife. Or that would have been a money not very well spent. So uh, we did that the entire year since she's a year younger than me at the university of Georgia. That's what we did the entire year while I was in Sebring. Uh, I, I was going to wait to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and have you do this. So uh, folks, I, I, as you all know, I was in his house on Monday. We came through, we had a big grill out. We did the podcast. We had a, a wonderful time, but I, I was taken by the idea that I was in that office where you're sitting right now. And <laughs> It, it looks it looks fantastic. Like I've always been impressed. Like I got FOMO looking at his set. But then when I walked in the office, I was like, "This is terrible." So do do us all a favor and just wheel the camera around, just so we can get an idea of, it, of exactly what it looks. I mean, like. I, I I know I know exactly where my bread's buttered. I just need to have this shot uh, perfectly. Yeah, keep wheeling. Clean. Keep going. Printer. Keep going. A lot of credentials. Oh my. Yeah. Oh God. Jesus. Oh no. I mean. Oh, oh God. Dear. And this is clean. I'm not going to lie. Not of a, lot of, a lot of awards. This is like the clean version. Yeah, this I actually cleaned up before Rex came. I haven't been back in here uh, since Monday of Players' Championship. We, we have been a little bit busy. But, yeah, all you need is a live shot to look good. Uh, no, it's like, you, you crush it. It's like that old John Clayton ESPN commercial where he's wearing, like, the suit and tie on top, and he's wearing, like, his <laughs> boxers and, and, like, grunge material underneath. Uh, that's definitely what my the whole background is. Before we, before we end this podcast, Rex. Yeah. Real quick, this would be fun. Putting you on the spot, give me your oh, top boy. five favorites for the Masters. We just got done. I'll give you. I'll. I'll. I'll kill some time here. Just got done with the first big, super big, huge, enormous tournament of the year with the Players Championship. We now have three full weeks uh, before the year's first majors. So, in order, in order, give me your top five favorites for the Masters. We can, we can always change this, of course. Uh, Scotty, John Rahm. So you're putting Scotty ahead of John Rahm. Okay. I am. Defending champ and world number one, so it's, it's hard to do that. And then some sort of combination. So give me a second. I got I to gotta flush this out. So I'm going to put Rory in my top five, but I don't think he should be three. I feel like he should be around five. And I'm going to put Jason Day in my top five because I feel like Jason, Jason is Day, well. is, he's not even guaranteed to be in the field. I know. I know, but but he's playing well. He's played well there before, and I feel okay, like now he is. He's up to he's up to thirty seven in the world. He moved up from. 40. Oh yeah, he he'll should, be in the field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he should be. Yeah, he should be. Um, and then and like you, I keep falling into this trap, like I did last week. So I, I I'm going to put Xander Schauffele in there, but I don't know how comfortable I am with that. So let's go: Scotty Scheffler, John Rom, Rory McIlroy, Xander, Jason Day, Jason Day. A top five favorite for the Masters. Just, just making sure we're. Well, I mean, sure I, you, you don't, you yeah, don't, you don't want, you don't you, want to save him for a sleeper. You don't want to save him for a wild card. You're, you're, you're saying no. You put me on favorite. my, you put me on the spot, and I feel like in this particular ahead of case, Spieth, ahead of JT, ahead of Cantlay, I mean, ahead of DJ. I mean, I guess Spieth would of, be the, the obvious ahead of choice, but I know. Uh, no. Oh my God! Had a Zalatoris, had a Max Homa. You're putting Jason Day, number uh, five, number five favorite. Max Homa, as you pointed out, it's never really contended in a major. Will Zalatoris would be the outlier here. I mean, he would be the one that would bump Jason Day. Um, so yeah, if I had to rework the list, maybe probably Willie Z and then Rory fifth. 
Okay. Okay. I can be down with that. Yeah. So Willie Z is four. Right, give, me, give me your five. Okay. Number one, Scotty Scheffler. I agree. Uh, slight edge in front of John Rom just because of uh, the good vibes. But, like, John Rom's record at Augusta National is nothing to scoff at. Like, he has played well, which is why I feel very confident having those guys, either 1A, 1B, whatever the case may be. But it is Sky Scheffler, John Rom for me. Number three, oh, did you forget Cam Smith? Did you forget Cam Smith? I know he's only played once. I did not. This year, uh, I think it was like a T. Played at the yards last week, actually. He played at your home course. You should have been out there, yeah. Uh, course record uh, still very much attainable. Yes, I would put Cam Smith as number three, just the product uh, of his skill set, uh, his course history at Augusta National. Uh, I feel like he has something to prove. So Cam Smith is my number three. I would put Roy McIlroy number four, I think, uh, with one start ahead of Augusta National. He's playing the match play uh, in two weeks' time, one week, I guess, when you uh, record this. Uh, I think that's plenty of time for him to uh, re-bed in his new driver, get his putting with Brad Faxon squared away. I think he'll be okay there. And then, yeah, of course, no top five at the Masters is complete without the one and only Jordan Spieth. Love the way he is striking it, uh, very much on the upswing there. And you get that guy around Augusta National if the conditions prove, I think, more favorable for a shootout. Uh, than kind of the stress fest and, and the difficult conditions we've seen over the past couple of years, I think that plays right into Jordan Spieth's wheelhouse. So recap, Scotty, Rom, Cam Smith, Rory, Jordan Spieth. As of March 12th, absolutely love that top five. Rex, what do you have going on the rest of the week before we bid adieu? I am in the courtyard in Jacksonville Beach still. I'll go home tomorrow morning and I'll clean my house. That's what happens when I'm gone for a week. Things just, things just go to hell. They do. We I had an interesting conversation with uh, Little Russ and uh, Courtney Holt, who is the superstar, and she runs our company. And I, I said something MVP. along the MVP. She is by far. Courtney Holt runs. I take a bullet for him. At true story, and uh, she said Who's something about, uh, "Are you going home tonight?" No, I can. I can always go home tomorrow morning and clean. And she goes. I knew you were the clean one in your relationship. So I felt like that, that was <laughs> What's that a, supposed to mean? I know. What a back I feel like that was such a shot against the bunkmate. I, I swear. It was like, oh, it's true. You're not lying, but it's true. Boy, we might have to get Bunk's comment uh, on that report. Uh, I'll be heading to Costa Rica this week, so I will be off the grid. Don't ask me why uh, going to Costa Rica. Honestly, I had to Google it to see where it is. It's supposed to be like 95 degrees. If you know anything about me, I hate the heat. I hate the sun. (laughs) And you hate hate, the beach. You hate hate the beach. You hate everything about it. But if that's what my wife wants, that is what my wife is going to get. Do have a couple features to keep me busy. In the meantime, hoping folks, if you did get to see it, Bandit Dunes feature. Rex, I know you uh, very much enjoyed that. You can find that one on golfchannel.com or my Twitter. Hashtag tears. We got a couple good, more good ones coming, although Joel Damon, we have to put a pin in that one, most <laughs> certainly. Thank you guys for listening all week to this Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. Appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys watching. Can't wait to do it again with mini pods each and every day at the Masters. We'll be back next week for a recap of the Valspar Championship where JT and Spieth are the headliners. If you hadn't heard, they are friends and or frenemies, according to Netflix. And then Rex will be on site in Austin for one of our most favorite fun, excuse me, most favorite weeks of the year. 
the match play. The last time that will be at Austin Country Club, and the last time we'll have the match play event on the PJ Tour schedule for at least a year. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. WGC RIP.